Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Have you been in any rookie drafts yet for any of your dynasty leagues, or is it still upcoming? They are still upcoming, so I've got a couple of them, I think, here in the next handful of weeks. So looking forward to those, but this is this will be the the first round for it for me. Yeah, how many um, dynasty leagues are you in right now that you would consider like serious dynasty dynasty? Actually, they're all kind of serious. I mean, people that are in them are in them. So how many leagues right now total? I'm in three dynasty leagues, so, ju- so just a, a drop in the bucket relative to you. But um, well, you know, I'm jealous. I'm jealous because, in fact, I bet you your three dynasty leagues are well managed, whereas I'm having stuff slip through the cracks like crazy. I, I've now got it a little bit more under control, and we're, I'm in a lot of deep dynasty leagues where it's like four receivers, three flex, like these crazy. So there's not a lot of lineup setting to do week to week. You know? Mm-hmm. Okay, that that checks out. I I have I threw my hat in the ring as the commission of, of a startup dynasty last year. And that you must, you must that, hate yourself. That was a trial by fire that I, uh, I, I just ended up getting burned by because d- during the season, like with, with all the other, you know, commitments like college football and, and everything, it's like, I don't have the time to commission this properly. What, uh, what, what did you find is the biggest problem with being commissioner? Not problem. Like what's, what's the biggest pain in the ass of being a commissioner in a dynasty league? I think getting everyone on the same page as far as, as the constitution is concerned. And it's like, okay, here are the rules. And then, you know, like that there, you know, people are not understanding when, when you can pick people up and, and things like that. And it's just like, it's like herding cats basically, especially <sighs> when uh, you know, that there's only like a handful of people that, you know, personally. So you want, you can't really kind of break the, break the fourth wall and be like, Hey, listen up, bud. Like you gotta, cause I'm not going to like do that to it, to, you know, someone who's in the industry, but a stranger, like, I don't know. It's like, Oh, I I think I can empathize with you right now. As you know, I am, um, let's say stewarding the Rotowire dynasty mock draft for a Rotowire football magazine, which should be coming out this summer. And I'm experiencing some of those same, some same pains. We have so many great drafters in there, but again, everyone has lives. They have priorities. So I am tasked with being the, uh, the a-hole. Hey man, hurry up and pick, which Mm -hmm. again, when I'm in normal, so I'm in about 30 dynasty leagues and you know, there there's an etiquette. There's a, for people that are in that many dynasty leagues, they understand the flow, the pace of these things. And there's, you know, it, I'm not a hurry up and pick guy when there's no timeline, but when there's a deadline, I, I tend to be a little bit more, um, you know, you have to be that way or else it just won't get done. 
Exactly. Uh, so, so I've had about six of my rookie drafts go off so far, uh, John McKechnie. So I am actually very happy that you have not had any go off because this is going to be, I'm going to, I'm in the trenches right now, but so I'm not thinking with a sober mind. I'm thinking about what's going on in those, in those uh, drafts. You're coming in with, Hey, what do you, I think is going to happen. So today we're going to do a super flex rookie mock draft. And we'll use that as a jumping off point to discuss these players, these rookies and how they'll impact our fantasy football teams. And I think that that is a good mix. Someone who's been in the trenches and someone who's still thinking logically. That's yeah, you, by so the way. You're the logical guy. I, I do not have my my uh, my rookie my uh, rookie draft trench foot just yet. Yep. All right. Hey, everybody. In the we got uh, people in the in the chat looking along. So uh, I'm here with John McKechnie of Rotowire, our college football, our rookie guru, and absolutely our sports betting guru. So everyone should go check out John. Uh, uh, what's your Twitter handle again? Is it uh, t- John's Tailgate? I'm at John's Tailgate, John's underscore Tailgate, and John with an H. Okay, and everything, I put all your links in the video description below. Uh, you're one of my favorite files on Twitter, so uh, I recommend it. everybody do that as well. It's not strictly sports over there. I, you know, tweet some some goofy stuff, but, you know, when it's time to, to throw out the sports takes, I got them. All right, so with that, without further ado, I'm going to give you the 1.1. Actually, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to take it. <laughs> I'm going to take it. All right. Because I want to chat. There's a re there's strategically. I want to do it. I think that uh, the dynasty market in Superflex leagues has settled on Brees Hall as the 1.1. That's I, I have not, I've not been in a draft yet where he hasn't gone 1.1. So six of six drafts. You're in agreement. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, I mean, he's not a first round guy necessarily, or, or he didn't get picked in the first round, but Nobody uh, did. So that, that might turn some people off. But at the same time, like first running back off the board, like clearly the best running back from this class. And, and you know, I, I don't think that there should be too much concern about Michael Carter being there. I think Carter, I think it's it's good for the Jets as a whole that they, that they boosted their backfield because Zach Wilson, we still don't really know what he's going to turn into. So putting the right pieces around him, I think, was a smart play by the Jets. So going with Brees Hall, I like it. Was it. A- there was almost no situation where Brees Hall was going to get 100% of the carries. Houston was the closest one to yeah. that, but I'm fine with the Jets, the 1-1. One, one. And again, it, nowadays, it's very rare you're going to get Dalvin Cook. You're going to get Zeke Elliott. If you can get 18 touches a game, that's a first-round fantasy pick, and especially if four or five of those touches are passes. All right, so I take Brees Hall at the 1.1. This is where I, I'm very curious to what you're going to do. We're in a Superflex rookie draft. Now, let's assume that your team is, you know, is mostly balanced. You have a few, you know, you're going best player available every time. What are you going to do? I will go with Drake London. Uh, to me, there, there are two guys in the in the top tier for for these rookie receivers, and we'll we'll see if if you're in agreement with with the third pick here, but. Drake London get, gets the nod for me because the, the path to targets is just so clear. I know that the, the Falcons, their quarterback situation is, is pretty rough, whether it's Marcus Mariota back there, whatever he still has left in the tank, or, or if it's Desmond Ritter. But at the same time, you, you looked at the, at the Falcons' depth chart a week ago, but before the draft started, there wasn't a single viable pass catcher on that team other than Kyle Pitts. So, I mean, this just is, it's a layup. It's a slam dunk. And uh, maybe I'm leaning on the basketball puns because Drake London obviously played basketball at Very USC good. his freshman year. But, uh, I mean, that's a guy that can play above the rim. He's, he's you know, someone who's very comfortable with a high target volume. We saw that during his time at USC, especially those last two seasons. 
And I just think it, especially like, you know, in PPR formats, like London is just going to be automatic, even if it, if the, if the efficiency takes a little bit to get there, as far as it being exactly what you want. I think he's, I think he's pro ready. I think he, you know, hits the ground running and I think he's a guy that can go hundred catches right away. Okay. So no, that, that's a good sound pick, but here's where I want to talk. I want to stop at this point and talk a little strategy. Uh, so I just count that I've been in seven rookie drafts so far. Kenneth Walker has been the, the second pick in six of those seven. London was the pick in the other one. Uh, I had, I got into some Twitter debate with some of the guys I'd established the run who are always wide receiver heavy, uh, sharp drafters, just like you. Now, in these dynasty leagues, you've been in them. You know it's almost impossible to acquire young running backs. Are you not even considering Walker at 1-2? Even though, I mean, explain why you didn't take the running back over uh, Drake London. I think that the opportunity cost and my personal valuation of Kenneth Walker, like I think Walker is is a fine player. I think that, you know, he's deserving to be the, the second running back um, off the board in, in this class and everything like that. So, you know, I'm not I'm not quibbling there necessarily, but I just think that what we have as far as future stars at the receiver position in in this rookie class far outweighs what what I think that uh, Kenneth Walker's overall ceiling is going to be. I'm not, you know, I'm not too concerned about the the long term commitment uh, in Seattle and, and the workload because you know Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, those guys are just walking injury risk, and and you know you wouldn't bet on either of those guys playing even 14, 15 games next year. So you know that Walker, especially being drafted early in the second, he's going to get a lot of work. But I think that the overall star potential from some of these top receivers uh, is the tiebreaker for me. Fair enough. And like I said, a lot of sharp guys, um, you know, picked London at two. I would still take, uh, again, if, if there was a need, and, and I get the London pick. I would never tell anyone the wrong because London's a better pro, you know, he's a great prospect. The draft capital's there, the opportunity's there, production was there. But it's just it's so hard to acquire young running backs. But maybe that's just not the, uh, you know, I'm a seasoned dynasty player, but I fall into these amateur traps, which is not taking BPA, best player available sometimes. So, again, this is why I talked about I said this is a good conversation to have with someone who's sober. Um, and, I, and I know that you're, you know, I don't mean sober in the real terms. I meant like sober looking at this because we know, you know, you're, you're doing who the hell knows what in that apartment over there. All right. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's only 1030 in the morning. It is Cinco de Mayo, but it, it, you know, it's not even noon yet. <laughs> Cinco de Drinco. I understand. <laughs> All right. So pick three, um, you know, if I was in pick three, if, if my team is balanced at this point, I'm going to then adhere to that sober philosophy. And I really like Traylon Burke. So I'm going to take him at, at, uh, at, we're at, we're at pick three. I'm yep. going to pass on the running back. There's some guys I may like a little bit later. And the difference is that, you know, talk about, I don't even need to project targets for Traylon Burks. He's getting them right. I mean, eight targets a game. I, I would say the floor is seven targets a game. They traded for Traylon Burks, essentially the uh, Tennessee Titans. They gave away AJ Brown. AJ Brown was only what a six to eight target, uh, but he was very efficient with them. Mm-hmm. But so he is walking into that. Ryan Tannehill, if he wants to keep his job and not get the boo birds coming from Malik Willis, he's going to need to throw to – he doesn't really have anybody else there. He's going to have to hope this guy is pro-ready, and they're going to force feed him the ball. Burks at three. I like the floor. I like the upside. I understand some of the warts, the athletic testing, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't bother me. Um, who are you going to take a pick for, unless you have any other words on Burks? I, I do, actually. So I, I think that, you know, the, the upside is, is very – real with him and and I also think like you said that this team context 
I mean, outside of Robert Woods, who's coming off the ACL, you got guys who I'm not even totally sure should have been drafted last year, like in the NFL draft and, and Des Fitzpatrick and, and Racy McMath. So there, there's that there's that instant locked in target volume. But I worry about Burks being a little bit overexposed because I think that he is someone that needed to go somewhere where he wasn't going to be the featured guy right off the bat. I think that he could have been someone that, that really benefited from being, you know, the, the, the Robin to someone else's Batman. I, I worry about him getting a little bit overexposed. I think he is pretty raw and this is an offense. It's not particularly high volume in the passing game. I don't think that he's going to be able to, to really even come close to what AJ Brown was as a rookie in 2019. So I worry that he almost like this, this is probably too extreme of a, of a case or, or a scenario, but I worry to the point where he struggles so much that he almost like finds himself on the bench at some point this year. Wow. So he's the one that, okay. that's a bit of a fade for me, to be honest. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, he's certainly going to be up there. Uh, there's This is what's so great about the Superflex rookie mocks this year or the real drafts is there. there's no consensus. I've seen players that go at three go at 11. And I've seen mm-hmm. guys that go in the second round go at pick seven. This is what's great. By the way, do you like the scroll I put up on the screen? Oh, very strong. Look right. at that. Just That's high production so quality. There you go. So anyone looking on, you could see where we are in the picks. Uh, pick one, I took Brees Hall for the three-down skill set. Someone had asked in the chat about, am I worried about Michael Carter? No. Michael Carter, fourth-round uh, running back, should be more of a supplement, uh, a compliment to Hall once he gets up and running. Uh, Johnny McKechnie took London, and I took Traylon Burks, which uh, John McKechnie now thinks that I took a donkey pick. So uh, you're on the clock at pick four. Who do you got, John? So I'm not sure where everyone else is on on, the, on this guy, but I know for me that he's the second receiver in that top tier. And, and again, that, that's a two-player tier to me. Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Um, I, I think that New Orleans is, was a perfect landing spot for him. I, I mocked him twice, I think, to New Orleans at pick 16 in the mocks that I did. They obviously traded up to go ahead and get him at pick 11, I think it was. Um, I think that, that he's another guy that has that clear path to targets. I don't, I don't think the quarterback situation is great in New Orleans necessarily, but I think that uh, Olave has that complete skill set where he can win at every level of the, of the field. Um, you know, just in short and intermediate, he's got the quickness, um, and he also has the downfield speed that, that obviously Michael Thomas, and who, who even knows what Michael Thomas is going to look like. Um, I think that, he, you know, he, he provides that, that nice kind of compliment to Thomas. And I think that also we're just going to see a situation where, in years past with, with peak Michael Thomas, that was Drew Brees in, in the Sean Payton offense where, where they really didn't have a whole lot of depth otherwise at receiver. And, and it was working with Thomas, of course, like they, they could get away with him, like with really impunity, just peppering Thomas with targets. I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a balanced receiving core this time around. And I think that, you know, that Olave has a nice path to targets as a result. I don't think Thomas gets like the 170, 180 type of target type of season. So I like Olave a lot. And I think the skill set, I think he's super pro ready coming out after his senior year. He's ready to rock. Yeah. I like that pick. I I've been, I, you know, a lot of my, uh, my draft so far, somehow I've ended up in like the seven, eight, nine slot, which means I made the playoffs, but got knocked out a little bit early. Uh, I'm going to blame it on injuries, not skill. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, I've been happy to take Olave there. He's going at like the seventh or eighth pick. So I agree with you. I would, I would have not have a problem if somebody took him one, two, or three. I know that's like a little bit hot takey, but it's not that 
I think he has the upside of some of the other guys. I think that he is too big to fail in a sense where the floor is the highest of any of them. Some would argue London's floor is super high too, but I mean, the saints gave up a lot to get him. I mean, I'm sure you saw that tweet circulating how many picks when it, they netted it out, he ended up giving like a first two seconds or whatever it was. It was like a whole bunch of draft capital. Uh, Chris Olave. I don't care about the yards after the catch uh, wart on his resume. I like him to, uh, and you know what? We also, and by the way, if Michael Thomas comes back, it's not like we haven't seen Jameis Winston deliver 2,000 yard receivers before. I know, I know. And, and uh, uh, one other note hard to get yards after the catch when you're already in the end zone. Ah, very good. I'm going to, you know what? That's a good tweet right there. You should do that. All right. You're leaving me no choice. I would have taken him at number two, but I'm going to take Kenneth Walker at number five. I mean, after Kenneth Walker, I mean, you could argue that there's there's other running backs that have paths to starting. I'm sure we'll get to those guys. But Kenneth Walker, the draft capital, the second round running back is the old first round running back, right? Especially the first 10 or 12 picks. If you're picked in the top 10 or top 12 of the second round, that's like being picked in the five years ago in the first round, the top, you know, the last 10 picks. So. Kenneth Walker, I know there was some doubts about his pass catching. Uh, I'm not, you know, it, we, they said the same things about Jonathan Taylor. He, the guy can do it. He, you know, he's in. The, he's not going to have hands of stone. I'm sure of that. Uh, he's an elite runner. Uh, the Seattle did get two offensive tackles, and they can't really rely on Drew uh, Drew uh, Locke or Geno Smith to get them to the promised land. They're going to have to establish the run, and certainly, uh, and you know. Yes, is he going to be Nick Chubb? Probably not, but I could see uh, I could see Kenneth Walker finishing as like RB nine to RB fourteen, and that's fine. If you have a young running back, twenty one years old, for the next three seasons, four seasons, that's a win in dynasty, man. Because it, whatever it happens, it's going to happen right away. All right, um, you're up on pick six, unless you have any words for me on Kenneth Walker. No, I think you laid out a, a good case there on Walker and and you know positional value there, and because of that you know, drop off at the running back position. Once you get after Walker, it, it is kind of a crapshoot. It's a real eye of the beholder type of thing as to, as to how people are going to approach running backs three through six. So um, I, I do like that Walker pick. Um, as a result, I, I will keep uh, the receiver train going. This is tricky though. I, you know, it's between uh, Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams. I got to go Garrett Wilson. I, I think that Jameson Williams is someone that I'm going to want to have a lot of this time next year because I think the rookie year is going to be a disaster. But I, I mean, you know, you might, I'm not trying to like, you know, tank torpedo your, your, your pick or maybe even my own pick uh, here in, in a little bit later. But I think Wilson, you know, he steps in right away, top 10 pick. Um, as long as Zach Wilson can be at least a little bit viable, then I think that, you know, this sets up really nicely for him as, you know, the primary X receiver. Uh, potentially for the Jets or, or you know, at the, at the Z spot, um, depending on what they want to do with, with Corey Davis. But I, I like Elijah Moore a fair bit. So that's kind of why that I steered towards Olave over Wilson. But I like, I like Wilson a lot. I think he's a super talented guy, and he does provide that yak too. Yeah, I, I'll, um, I'll send you the video that actually you and I did on TikTok before last year's draft where you were touting Elijah Moore before the hype train rolled in. I asked you for a player that would be drafted in round two that everybody a year later would think of a round one player and you identified Elijah Moore. So yes, I know you like him there. Now, Garrett Wilson, by the way, has been going at pick three, four consistently to get him where you got him at pick six is almost unheard of. Uh, I bet you that's the same. So you got a great value on Garrett Wilson. Here's the, uh, here's the issue is, you know, there's going to be jet bias on him, which probably is, 
is it going to create an opportunity for value right now? Elijah Morris is presumably still the alpha. He he has to be displaced as the alpha. He had that run of games. Now, some of them were with Mike White, but he showed that he is a 20, 25 fantasy point player. Um, you know, now with Zach Wilson, we'll see how the, the distribution of targets happens, but I love that play. Now, you brought up Jamison Williams. I am not going to pick him here. I have been on full fade mode with him because, uh, and I'll get to my pick in a moment, we could talk you know, have this conversation is that you identify that he is likely to start the season on pop, right? I mean, there's probably a better chance he is than is not, you know, he had the, what was it? December. It was a, a January injury. January 10th. I was there. I was in the building. I screamed. Oh no. As the play was happening, mostly because he was catching like a 40 yard pass against my bulldogs, but yeah, um. <laughs> right. And I remember the play. That's where he went down. And it's so he's going to miss the first six games. Now you say, Oh, this is dynasty, but players that miss training camp, specifically wide receivers and that miss a good chunk of the early season. It's not a boon for their fantasy value. It's certainly an anchor. Now, you know, there are, uh, let's say he comes back in the week 10, week 11, you know, it's still Jared Goff QB, which isn't terrible, but you have DJ shark there. You have Hawkinson, you have, um, you know, it's Amon Ross St. Brown is still alive. Right. And, say what you want about him. He's, he's a good NFL player. Who's going to demand five to six targets a game, not the 10 or 12 he was getting. So I think there's going to be an opportunity to acquire Jamison Williams from uh, frustrated dynasty owners. You're going to have to pay, you know, dollar for dollar, but you're not going to have to overpay for him. So that's my strategy with Williams. I'm going to want to get him once that uh, other manager that drafts him gets a little frustrated. So speak to that while I decide on my next pick. And, uh, you know, with going or going further down uh, with the with the Wilson or Williams discussion, even if he does play uh, the full season and, and again, like there's a, there's that possibility that he doesn't. You know, we saw Rashad Bateman open the year on, on the pup list last year and then he had to deal with, you know, shaky quarterback play down the stretch when, after Lamar Jackson um, was sidelined. But the two very different players, two different offenses. But I think stylistically. And this isn't going to be forever. He's not forever going to be saddled with Jared Goff. But Jared Goff is a guy who averages under seven yards depth of, of throw. Where does Williams win? He he wins by just getting past the, the corners, getting past the safeties, being a downfield uh, just speed demon. So I, I just don't really see a, a situation in which he becomes much more than just a kind of expensive decoy in, in this Detroit offense. I, I think it does kind of help the short and intermediate guys because the safeties can't cheat up as much if Williams is on the field. So I love this for Amon Ross St. Brown. Wasn't super interested in him like a week ago, but now I, now I certainly am. Um, but I, I think as far as Williams and his rookie year outlook goes pretty shaky. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize we we're on pick seven. So I'm up on pick seven. I am actually going to take uh, Jameson Williams that it just, the upside does make sense here. Sure. Uh, but I am telling you, if I, dra- if I end up at pick seven and have to draft him, I am going to be that guy. You should talk. If I have Williams in my drafts in my, and you're in a league with me, target me. Cause I get impatient. I'm a dynasty owner that gets impatient. Those two things don't do well normally, <laughs> but I'm going to admit it. But it, at this point I'm going to draft him. I mean, he's got the draft capital. We, we know all the good. Uh, and I don't love like, this is where the tier clearly fall. Oh, you know what? Will you let me do a do-over? I forgot. I'm looking at my list and trying to host. That, I'm not, that, I'm, that is fine. Just fine, sir. Yeah. Okay. So, Let's pre- strike that whole conversation. In Superflex, I'm taking Kenny Pickett right here. Okay. I'm taking Kenny Pickett. Okay. Um, you know, what, what more could be said about quarterback positional value 
in Superflex. Now, I know that Pickett is a flawed prospect, but even this is my argument for Kenny Pickett. And by the way, I would probably take him a little higher than this in a real draft. Is that even if Kenny Pickett is bad, I'm saying he's below average, he's still going to be the starter for two seasons. And if he's bad, he's probably going to get you 11 to 14 fantasy points. Now, is your quarterback two? Is your quarterback three in, in, a, in a super flex league? That's fine. It's not great, but that's if everything goes wrong. With all those weapons, I can't see it going on. Now, if he's average, he's going to be the starter for at least three seasons. And he's going to get you 15 to 18 points, maybe 20 sometimes. And if he's above average, obviously, he's a little bit of a long-term starter. So just based on positional value, I think Kenny Pickett belongs a little bit higher than this. But are you okay with him here above the upside of someone like Jamison Williams? Um, I, I think that the perspective's there, and and you're talking about being impatient, but you're 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 also talking about like the two year, three year uh, potential window of him, you know, being someone that you can start at, at least a handful of times uh, in that span. So uh, I think I can be a little bit overwrought with with my like where I am on, on Pickett as a prospect versus what what he can be as a, as a fantasy asset. So I I wasn't going to be uh, the one that took him. At seven, but I, I think you have uh, plenty of good like logic backing that up too. Yeah, I've taken him as high as um as four, by the way. Um, I, I, you know, and I probably would take him if I need. I'm in a situation right now, uh, John, where I have uh, uh, my quarterbacks in a superflex league are Russell Wilson and Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill's on the ropes. My QB mm. three and four is like it's disgusting. It's like Gardner Minshew. You know, there's nothing there. And I was on the clock with the second pick. And the rest of my team's okay. It's pretty good. So I took Pickett there. It's just so rare you get a chance to draft quarterbacks and try acquiring one with anything with a pulse. You're going to pay through the nose in these super flex leagues. So I, I felt pushed into it, but I also felt okay with it, knowing that if things go wrong, I still have a couple of years to figure it out. All right. You were up at one at the eighth overall pick. Is anyone watching the screen can see we have the pick scrolling. Just a quick review. Pick one in our Superflex rookie mock is uh, Brees Hall. Number two, London. Uh, Traylon uh, Burks went three. Alave went four. John went and jumped to ADP there. I like that pick. I uh, felt gifted Kenneth Walker at five. Uh, John took Garrett Wilson at seven, and I could not resist a quarterback. I'm a quarterback guy at pick seven. You're on the clock. Right on. Pick eight. All right. So d- despite everything I just said about Jamison Williams, I, I think that the, the long-term potential for him is as good as any of of any receiver in this class. I mean, the, the speed is so electric. I know that, you know, that there's some concern, not, not just about the, the injury history and the team context was like, why, why didn't he, why did it take for him his junior year to, to really break out? Why, why didn't he get on the field much at, o, at Ohio state? Well, think about it, who we just drafted ahead of him, you know, his former teammates uh, who were, who were producing at that time. And then um, the, a guy who we will be talking about plenty next year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, what was clearly going to be that that next guy up for Ohio State. So Jameson Williams makes it makes a good move, goes to Alabama, totally crushes it. Um, so I, I think at this stage, given who else is on the board, uh, the upside just just wins out for me. So I, I will still go with Williams, despite my my year one concerns. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think this is the hard tier cutoff. Would you say like, there's still guys I like, and I'm, I'm happy to take as a first round rookie pick, but I think these eight players, you're like, okay, I feel like I got a real first round pick after yeah, that those are premium. Yeah. Those are premium. Now there's another tier coming up right here because at the end of the round, in my judgment, again, I've been in six or seven of these now pick 11 and pick 12. 
you're feeling like these aren't like traditional first round picks. I mean, you know, even last year when I was picking like 11th or 12th in the leagues that I won, I was getting Jalen Waddle. I was getting a top five wide receiver, you know? I think the, the problem is that this year, the lack of, of quarterback viable quarterbacks just really pushes everything up and, and it, it forces you to kind of just, uh, you know, wear out a certain other position. Like, you know, last year, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, even Mac Jones, you Mac know, they, Jones they, they all, the first they round all go in the first round. So it's like, that's, that's great. And like, you could see all those guys starting year one, you know, obviously it didn't really work out for, for Trey Lance, but that's a, that's a discussion for a different day, but. Yeah, but you were happy to take him at one, two or three. Sure. Totally. Totally. Because the, the upside is, is certainly there and it, it, it's, it still could be, but the lack of quarterbacks that I think are worthwhile taking, it just, it makes everything else crazy. And then also the fact that like the running backs really outside of, of Hall and Walker, like we've been talking about it, it's really like uh dealer's choice as, as to who would be the third, fourth, fifth. Like it, it's uh there's no real consensus there. Yeah. I don't mean to repeat the obvious here, but you just nailed it. It's that the lack of, again, we're not, we're not going to worry about how they actually played last year, but there was five first round quarterbacks. It was an extreme. So that's why, the later picks were good. So the opposite is a little bit true here is that the lack of first round quarterbacks makes this almost like a one quarterback draft, but the upside, I guess if you can exploit, you know, when you were picking 11 and 12 and getting those top, now you're getting, um, you're able to draft a high upside quarterback at the end of first round. If you choose to, I haven't seen that done too often, but as you get into a pick 11, 12, you're never going to get the opportunity when you're picking at the end of the draft to get someone as high upside as some of the quarterbacks that went into the third round. Let's see if that happens here. Okay, so at pick nine, uh, you know, really you're faced with looking at uh, receivers with draft capital in the first round or you're faced with, you know, some of the the high upside guys that fell to round two. Or if you need a running back, there are a couple options here. Now, I started off by telling people taking James Cook in the first round was a donkey move. In PPR leagues, I think it's viable. It's just dicey, and I, if, I, if I'm being true to my board, I'm taking Sky more here, right? I, at pick nine, uh, you know, he could have easily been a first-round wide receiver. He was an underclassman who came out. Every, You know, this this has been plowed over ground, but could he have ended up in a better situation? I mean, you know, you could always say, oh, look, what happened to Michael Hardman? It, by all accounts, this is a different type of player. This is an NFL-ready player who profiles like Golden Tate, Uh Talk about that pick right there. Are you? Would you be happy? Are you happy with the value I got on on Sky Moore here? No, that, that's definitely solid. I, I like Sky Moore a lot, and and you know that I think a lot of the the Golden Tate comp come from the fact that that he's so dangerous, dynamic after the catch. Um, and you look you look at the the receiving core in, in Kansas City, and it's just like you know so, some retreads or some guys who who you know have kind of are, that are at best post hype you know, uh, t- type dudes. I mean, I, I was, I was, Mario and I were, were captaining the, the Mikol hype train just a, just a few years ago. It hasn't totally panned out just yet the way that, that we would have hoped, but um, you know, I, I think that Sky Moore fits into a really nice situation. I think the, what, what he brings to the table, he's not redundant to, to any of the other guys in that receiving course. So I think that he's someone that, that definitely gets, gets himself on the field, gets the attention of Patrick Mahomes early and, and, you know, starts to stick. So I I like that Sky Moore pick. Yeah. uh, Just, well, 
a side note here is, you know, that draft we're in for the magazine draft and, you know, Alex Dunlap from roster watches in that draft, he was on the clock. So I texted him while he was on the air on Sirius. And I said, Hey man, it's time to make your pick. Let's go, you know, do it on a commercial. And supposedly he was screaming, and yelling that I'm, I'm knowing the crap out of him, which by the way, you know, now I'm embracing the role of the heel. I am going to be the iron sheik, you know? I, I think you got to. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's going to be yelling about that, then, then yeah, it's like, all right, man, fine, fine. That's how it is. <laughs> it's all in good fun, man. Um, I worked for those guys for a couple of years before I came over and joined the team here. Great bunch of guys to work for. Definitely follow roster watch on Twitter. I'm sure most of you already do. All right. Um, we're, we're about halfway through uh, our allotted time. We'll, we'll pick up the pace, but let's take a quick break from a word for a word from our sponsors. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And we're back. Does it feel nice to Johnny to sit in that chair and not have to uh, to drive the car just to be a passenger sometimes? It does. It does. I mean, uh, you know, the, there there's joys of hosting that uh, most of the podcasts I do I host. But yeah, it's a nice little change of pace here. And and uh, yeah, like I'll let you figure out that transition. I always have a, <laughs> have a hard time doing that one. <laughs> yeah. And for everybody who doesn't know, everybody already follows John McKechnie on Twitter, but uh, John and Mario Puig have their own podcast all off season long in the same podcast feed that I put my podcast. So if you follow this one, there's a link in the video description below and they put out at least one, if not two episodes a week in the off season, certainly uh, they do one in the uh, in season as well. So it's in the same podcast feed. That link is in the Rotowire fantasy football podcast feed. Available everywhere. Link in video description. All right. When we last left off, uh, let's see. Where were we? I lost my my count. Uh, did you you picked? Uh, no, I picked Sky Moore. So we're gonna pick up the pace a little bit here until we get to about pick uh, fifteen. So um, I'll, I'll be a little less verbose. I'll let you uh, expand because you have some good takes. I want to hear. All right, pick ten. Who do you got? This one's tricky. All right, here I go. Damian Pierce. I like it. No, I like it. I like it. And by the way, I just lost the banner, but that's fine. I'll create it. Talk Damian Pierce while I get this going again. Damian Pierce is is someone who I didn't necessarily buy buy the hype on it during some of the the off season. I, I thought that he was just sort of like, what are we bored? That we're just like deciding that the Florida running back is is going to be anything. But the the landing spot in Houston, it could not be any better. I mean, like I, I'm I'm the the last Marlon Mack. Uh, yeah, I'm the last guy to believe in Mar- in Marlon Mack, so him being there doesn't scare me whatsoever. Rex Burkhead, um, he will forever be like a thorn in, in whoever uh, running back is, is also in the, in that backfield. Like he's always going to be an annoying guy because he he will have games where he kind of dominates the the workload. But I, I think Pierce, you know, he he's got the what I like in a running back. You know, that dense build, um, powerful runner. I, th- I think that he sets up pretty nicely um, there in Houston. So, you know, I, I know that there are other running backs that, that some people might like more and, and, you know, he's not the most like ex- explosive athletic guy, but I, I think that he has what it takes to, to earn a role and, and also keep it. So I will go with uh, Damian Pierce. I picked 10, right? Yes. Yep. So while you were doing that, I had to uh, quickly uh, 
to make that banner. I accidentally deleted it. That's that's what that's what happens, man. When you do uh, when you when you're doing multiple controls here. But I'll tell you why I like it because he is the after the first two guys, he is the running back that most likely has the clearest path to starting. Now, if he was drafted in the third round of the real NFL draft, he'd be going higher than this probably. You know how running back thirst happens. Mm-hmm. His fourth round ADP is actually the key to getting him at a value. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah, I'm saying, and what was he picked? Like the 12th pick? I don't know exactly. What Houston had like the 12th pick or something. In the, it wasn't like 4-1, or, but it wasn't like 4-20 either. Ooh, 4-20. So he was the 107th overall selection. So that would have been pretty early on, on day three. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm pulling it up right now as we talk. But yeah, and bottom line is you're not where if you tell me you're, my backfield competition is Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead. I'm okay with that. Plus, it's it's you know when you watch the Damian Pierce, he was yeah, it was four point oh two, four point oh two. He was the second pick, so that's basically like being a third round pick disguised as a fourth round pick. See there, and uh, I'm sorry. Can, can we get some some love for my ceiling fan in the in the uh... ah? <laughs> <laughs> Is it hot in there? Don't you have AC? I mean, what's it called? I, I do, but uh, you know. I, I try to try to keep the the energy bill down. Uh, the the dang gas company this winter was really ripping me off. So I I, I know obviously the the electric company will will uh, you know that's a different story for for the air conditioning. But uh, scintillating, I, I, scintillating radio here. Scintillating. That, that's what I'm saying. It, people out there can relate. They've been ripped off by their gas company. Yeah. Um, so so right. uh, I try to while it's still reasonable, but soon enough, I mean, it is Atlanta. It's going to get pretty tough here in a little bit. And if you're listening on the audio feed, this is a total visual thing, and we we uh, you know we'll t- we'll do a whole podcast on John Ceiling Fan in the next episode. So Thank if you're really into that, you know, stay tuned. All right. Uh, uh, so that you know that's actually new information to me about Pierce. I didn't realize it was 402. I just hear fourth round. That's like Antonio Gibson last year being picked in the early third round. It's kind of like a second round pick. Now I know there it's like there is that line of demarcate, uh, you know that that line in the sand there, but. You have to think about where was he going? Where was he in, in, in relation to other players? Okay. Uh, so pick 11. You threw me for a loop because I thought I was going to get him there. But I, I think this is the point. Now I'm going to respect the second round draft capital of uh, James Cook in PPR leagues and non-PPR, half PPR. I'm probably going to go a different direction. So I like James Cook. It, you know, the Buffalo Bills at pick 11, that is. Uh, Buffalo Bills made no secret about – and by the way, if there's any comments you want to put on the screen, feel free. You got the, the co-pilot controls there, Johnny. Um, the Buffalo Bills made no secret about what the role is going to be. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick, right? Mm-hmm. J.D. McKissick didn't work out. He went back to uh, the commanders. So they said, hey, we're going to draft a guy that was going to do that. He's going to be the pass catching. He has enough speed to get off tackle uh, if, if he needs to be. And I expect him to be very similar type of player that he was with your uh, your Georgia Bulldogs. So he's never going to be rb four on the year, but he's probably going to be RB 14, a bunch of times, RB 16, and then maybe have a Danny Woodhead type of season here and there where he's like RB 12. So uh, I'm going to take James cook there and respect the draft capital. Yeah. I, I like James cook a lot. Um, you know, it, t- it took him a while to, to really get going at Georgia, but you know, th- this past year as a, as a senior, when, when he came back, uh, just really impressive. He was, he was the guy that, that was the big play threat out of that Georgia backfield. And what I love about his game is that pass catching ability, not just out of the backfield, but Georgia, you watch that Tennessee game. Uh, they split him out wide. Stetson Bennett hits him for a, you know, a long uh, downfield pass. So he has that ability. And I think that marries up really nicely with Josh Allen. I don't think it's 
the optimal usage of Josh Allen to have him thrown short little screen passes to the running back. Like let him just hose it down the field. And Cook can do that in a way that a lot of other pass catching running backs can't. So he has like he can run actual routes. He absolutely can. Okay. So who's his best comparable in your judgment uh, to an NFL player in the last decade? Let's see. I mean, you know, you know, so is, is, I'll throw a couple Eckler out there. totally out there as a, as a, I don't think he's as rocked up as, as Eckler. I don't think he can break tackles quite like Eckler, but I, I think as far as just like you can use him down the field, it, it, and it makes sense. Like it, I think that there's a little bit of that, or maybe he's like what you wanted Demetric Felton to actually be. Okay. How about this? These two comps. Now, again, these are, these are not like career comps. These are just stylistic comps. How about Andre Ellington and Deandre Washington? There's a, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of guys there that, that, um, that pass catchers that, that can maybe get off tackle if need to be. Let, yeah. Let's, let's hope that he can do it. Cook just, he, he has that speed to, to get outside, like you said, bounce it out. But, um, I, I worry about like the, the carry ceiling being like eight. I just, I don't think he holds up particularly well okay. as a runner. You know, we actually had a good, uh, a good question in the chat, and uh, Julia had asked, and you know, I'm curious about this too. Is what do you think is the main differentiation point of skill set between Singletary and Cook? Because you've seen Cook intimately, you watch every Georgia game, you probably watch replays of the damn game, John. You know, oh, it's I, it's a sickness, yeah, yeah. So, so give me the talk about him and juxtapose him with Singletary a little bit. Singletary, um. They called him Motor back in his days at FAU. Singletary was an absolute workhorse in college, and he's he's got a way denser build. Like he's not that much heavier pound for pound than James Cook is, but he's a lot denser, being that five seven two oh three. So he's a guy who who does have a between the tackles skill set more so than Cook. Cook a little bit like longer and leaner. So I, I think that there uh, Singletary is someone that that him and Moss can kind of cannibalize each other's touches. But I, th- I think Cook and his skill set is is separate from those guys. And I think that Buffalo will find a way to, to maximize that. And I, I think then you start to get to to looking at where the Bills took him, the draft capital, and they didn't have like a, a million picks in the in this year's class. So they had to be very, very, you know, sold on every single pick that they made. So I, th- I think it is ju- pretty telling. They had to be judicious. Judicious. Exactly. Good yep. word there. Um, pick 12. You're on the clock. Last pick of the first round. You won the league last year, John. Your your roster is is loaded. You're just taking talent right now. I'm just taking talent. Let's go. We'll stay. We'll stay with the dogs. George Pickens. Okay, I like it. Um, so you took him. You passed on a, a couple guys that were drafted ahead of him. What is it that you think? Uh, Pitt, I mean, listen, Pittsburgh and wide receivers. I mean home run. You know, actually, we think of all the hits, but we forget about the Marcus Wheatons, right? We forget I, about we do. So good. Lima Swede, you know, like, you know, that they, they, they are Martavis Bryant. Miss. Oh man. What could have been it, right. Martavis Bryant was actually good. It just, uh, you know, everything else, but um, yeah, Pickens, he's kind of a crazy guy himself. I, I, I'll be the first one to, to kind of like admit that, get ahead of it, but the, the talent's crazy. He's the best Georgia receiver since AJ uh, green. Um, I think that, you know, that it might be a little bit tough for him to, to see a huge role uh, this this upcoming season with, with who Pittsburgh has on that depth chart and Deontay Johnson and Clay, Chase Claypool. But it doesn't feel like Claypool is going to be in Pittsburgh for forever. Uh, just, no. Don't you think something. it would be a perfect trade would be to trade him to Green Bay? Claypool. Oh, Claypool to Green Bay. That would, oh, that would be absolutely sick. Makes, so makes so it, sense for everybody, right? If you can, it, if you can get back your, your second or third round, you know, a second or third round pick for him. 
That would be that would make so much sense. And and you know, I I I like the other guys that Green Bay took in the in the draft enough, but it's still there's still going to be a pretty significant drop off. You know, you you lose Devontae Adams and and you approach it the way that they did, and they got screwed by the fact that you know six receivers go off the board before their first pick in the first round. But you know, besides the point. Um, but I like Pickens. I, I think that he's got that um, you know true number one type of skill set. On the outside, I think, you know, he jumped in and and dominated as a freshman, true freshman at Georgia. He's passed the ACL injury. Uh, The the I mean, I think we could be looking at this. And and if we were redrafting these group, this group of receivers a year from now, you know, he's he's way, way higher, maybe like even in like the top five. Yeah, it's all sound logic. I like Pickens. And, you know, again, it's going to be one of those guys that we look at next year and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe Pittsburgh did it again. All right. Um. I'm happy to take Christian Watson in the second round, especially let's say, for example, I, you know, I picked first, so I got Brees Hall and now I'm on the clock again at two one, because we're talking about a linear rookie draft. Christian Watson is routinely going in the first round, pick 10, pick 11. And I have seen him fall out of the first round once in the seven drafts I did. So I'm, I'm pretty happy to take him here. Uh, Pickens. I have seen at pick 12 and 13. So these two guys flip flop uh, with James cook in that area. It's, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to, I have to take some screenshots of the seven drafts and you could see the boards are all over the place with the exception of Brees Hall is the, is the one, one and Walker is the one, two, uh, you know, what else could be said is that Christian Watson scares the hell out of me, right? Because he can, it's easy to see him being nothing, especially in year one. When is green green Bay has a long history of really good wide receivers, not performing in year one. And I think I correlate that to the circle of trust with Aaron Rodgers. We all know about the athletic upside uh, of Christian Watson. If you get him here, you're happy. Uh, obviously, uh, if there's anything you want to add about Watson before you make your pick, feel free. But I think that outlines the case. High ups. He's the ultimate boom bust guy in this draft. Right. You know, it did, did Green Bay just replace MVS with MVS? <laughs> um, so that but we'll have to see there. But but certainly like, you know, it's it's pretty nuts what the, the film and, and um, the, those workout metrics when it when it comes to Watson and, and you know, with, with all those targets up for grabs, all those snaps, all those routes, you know, it, I, he's going to at least get the crack at it. So we, we don't know if he if he enters that that circle of trust with Rogers right away, but he they're going to at least give him a shot to do so. So he, in in a way, he could be like the, um, like the, the uh, poor man's Traylon Burks as far as what what that rookie year role looks like. Like he, he's whether it's it's good for him or not. Like he might get um, kind of overexposed or be or look at it the other way, and he's being given that chance to to really uh, cement himself early in his career. All right, we're going to go lightning round for four picks now. So basically, pick your player, just give the quick rationale, and then I'm going to pick and give a quick rationale for the next four picks. Go ahead. Who are you taking at 2.2? Jahan Dotson. Um, you know, 16th overall pick. Yes, Carson Wentz is terrible. Yes, they don't they don't really have a, a great succession plan at quarterback in Washington, you know, depending on your Sam Howell beliefs one way or the other. But Dotson, still a top 20 pick, and I think, you know, a, a, a worthwhile top 20 pick. By the way, I didn't think that was a reach necessary or a huge reach necessarily. Maybe you like him a little bit later in the twenties, but um, I, I'm sold on the talent. Eventually, it's going to uh, show up. 
Isn't it funny every year in these rookie drafts, there's one first round wide receiver, first round real draft capital that falls into this range. And we always regret saying, how the hell didn't we pick that guy? It was Brandon Ayuk two years ago. He felt like two five in the rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. And then it was uh, Kadarius Tony last year. Respect the first round draft capital. Don't worry about the landing spot. Uh, you're getting him in a good spot here. At this point in a super flex league, I'm taking Malik Willis. I probably would take him a little bit earlier than this, but it's just, you know, you're going to have, you might get a zero from him this year i have a feeling even if the titans go three and two the the boo birds are going to be coming out so malik willis certainly has that upside but this is another you talk about boom bust he could play well this year they could still draft a quarterback next year who are you going to take at pick uh the next pick uh 16 2.4 i will go with rashad white uh to to the tampa bay buccaneers um they get they get rid of ronald jones um, we'll see what the, what the, how this offense changes. Leonard Fournette obviously got a nice payday this off season. So he'll be, he'll be the guy, but he's not always the most durable guy in the world. Um, and, and white kind of can offer very similar things, uh, both in the run game and as a pass catcher. So I, I like white there. Will white have a role this year at all? Could we expect five to eight touches a game from him? I, I, I get Tampa Bay running backs wrong. Like it's my job. Like yeah. I, I was so stoked on Ronald Jones a couple years ago and I, I was a big Keyshawn Vaughn guy. Then he went back to school, and then I, I, his final year at Vandy wasn't as good as I was hoping. But um, I'm hoping that third time's the charm when, when it comes to uh, me picking a, a rookie uh, Tampa Bay running back. So I, I do like White, and I, I think that he can he can push Keyshawn Vaughn aside pretty quickly. I think. Yeah, I uh, I, I think that um, quarterbacks in superflex drafts have the opposite value of a car. And what I mean by that is a car, you drive it off the lot, it loses like 6% of its value before you even turn right at the light. Desmond Ritter would be my next pick at 17. He's got a path to start because we know that the Falcons aren't going to win. I mean, what's their Vegas under over? Six and a half, five and a half, something like that. That means at some point they are going to have to see if their third round draft pick hit. So you're going to get eight games out of Desmond Ritter. The downside is... They could win, you know, seven of those eight games, and he could still get, um, you know, he could still get uh, usurped by a one, two, or three. You know, the quarterback class. There seems to be about four guys that can go in the in the top ten picks next year. John, is that about right by early look? Um, so I I think it, it, Bryce Young and, and C.J. Stroud Locks. top tier, and I, I think we're starting to see some some narrative invention for for like I like Will Levis as a college player, but like uh, he's not a first round pick. Uh, there's a, there's a couple other guys that, that maybe can change my mind, a, a Tanner McKee, um, a handful of other guys, but um, you know, I think right now it's being oversold that next year is going to be back to normal as far as these really rich quarterback classes. All right. Well, even better than I like Desmond Ritter even more because we've seen uh, players in the third round, fourth round, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson work out before. And when you're in the middle of the second round of your rookie draft and you have the opportunity to get a player who you know is going to start at the quarterback position, super flex, the, those, those players appreciate. And at some point, you know, like I just made a deal. I drafted Desmond Ritter and was able to, uh, to basically flip him to the Marcus Mariota guy. And I got some assets back there. So at that Smart. point, all right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep going um, a little fast at this point until we hit the end of the second round. So, who do you got? Uh, we're at pick eighteen in the sort of the middle end of the second round. All right, I, I will dabble with, with the quarterbacks now. Finally, I'll go with Matt Corral. Um, the, you know that I think there's a reason why he why he slid as far as he did, at, and uh, he's going to need to clean up some of like the just kind of stunt man tendencies that, that he plays with. But 
fit. I mean, he's got a good arm. He's athletic. Uh, so the rushing upside is there. And, you know, at this stage of a rookie draft, I think that's worth betting on. And I think that, you know, similar to Ritter and, um, and Mariota, this is, I mean, he might have an easier path corral that is uh, beating out uh, Sam Darnold. Yeah. I like that a lot. And you know what? He's kind of undervalued in these drafts. I mean, like you said, if anyone has the chance to start, the most games of the three third round quarterbacks, it might be him. They might be, I mean, their backs are up against the wall. If they go, Oh, and three and Sam Darnold is just not good. He's going to get the rest of the season. Cause it can't get worse than Oh, and three. So I really like that call right there. Uh, I'm actually having a little regrets. I didn't get uh, Matt Corral here. Okay. Uh, as we get into pick 19, it's not a sexy pick, John, but I have had this thing with David Bell. I don't care about the athletic testing. Perfect spot with the Browns. He's going to get day one targets, and he's just probably good at football based on that massive load of production. He is the most boring pick that you can make, and he's probably going to be in your lineup for the next four to five years. Yeah, so, um, you know, like, like we were saying about uh, Green Bay re- replacing MVS with, with MVS, this could be um, a situation where, uh, Jarvis Cle- Cleveland replaces him with Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he, he has that same, he's not a standout athlete, but he's extremely good at football. I mean, he, he took or hit the ground running freshman year at Purdue and w- was awesome the rest of the way. And, you know, even, even when he had to compete with Rondale Moore, he was still a, a stud. So I, I like David Bell there too. Quick prediction. Where's Jarvis Landry going to sign? <sighs> Baltimore. Maybe? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. They need a wide receiver. That's a they, good one. They, they sure do. I mean, I, I I like Devin Duvernay, but he should not be your number two receiver. No, that's that's a great call. I never thought when I was when people asked me, I said that Chicago is going to throw a lot of money at him because he doesn't want to play for a dead team. But uh, I thought that it would make him, you know, a Godfather offer. You know what a Godfather offer is? An offer you can't refuse. There you go, exactly. But no, I like that call. Jarvis is a championship. Uh, he's he's going to be a guy that wants to play for a championship. Like you know what he is? He's like the modern day Larry Fitzgerald. Not that you know Larry Fitzgerald died a uh, you know, a cardinal, but this is like you know he's that guy. He's the one that's that that veteran presence that can bring it home. All right, let's keep going here. Pick twenty. You're on the clock. I took David Bell at nineteen. You're on the clock at twenty. All right. So this one is a little bit of a, of a dart throw here, but I like it. Nonetheless, I think this team is going to be really, really good this year. And I think this is a position on this team that I think is mostly unsettled outside of the number one. So I'm going to go Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati going to Indianapolis. I think there's a pretty decent chance that he becomes their, their number two receiver this year, especially with Paris Campbell's injury history. You know, what's funny is that um, our friends over at dynasty depot, uh, uh, Nelson asked me that he goes, what do you think of Alex Pierce? You know, because there's there is a little stink on him right now, right? Like a lot of early, uh, you know, draft rankers didn't like him as a second round pick, and obviously, you know, they picked him ahead of Sky Moore, which you know drew the ire of a lot of, uh, of Twitter draft Twitter. But it doesn't matter. It's like the Colts. It's well, not what we think of him. It's the Colts think of him, and I love where he's going in drafts. I mean, to get him right here at the end of the second round, this is this is not typically where a high second round wide receiver on a good team goes. So. Yeah, I wouldn't want to take him any higher than this, but this is probably I'm going to give you the best value of the entire draft right here. I think this pick can work out really nicely. I, right. I mean, the, the, I mean, we talk about upside. He might have the he might be like the most athletic receiver that's been taken in the in the second round of, of this draft. I mean, six three two eleven four four speed forty inch vert. That's pretty nuts, man. Like you, you don't really see that too too often. Um, and and uh, uh, you know he was a really efficient player during his time in Cincinnati that, that handled a, you know, heavy target share. So I like him a lot. 
Yeah. In any sort of tight end premium setup, I'm going to be taking Trey McBride here, but you know, we'll, we'll leave him at, I don't draft tight ends unless they're top 20, you know, TJ Hawkinson level, Noah fan mm-hmm. level, that type draft capital uh, in, in drafts. Cause you know what? People get tired of waiting the three years and they drop them. I mean, Adam Troutman is, is ready for the breakout. He's the top tight end in it's the year three. He's on the waiver wire or someone's dying to get him off their roster. So yeah. that I usually don't draft tight end in a, in a, uh, premium format, like start two tight ends. He'll have already been off the board. So, uh, but we're not going to use him. All right. Right now, my next pick is going to be, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to decide between a couple guys here. Um, I, I just think that this is a, a high risk pick because of the fifth round draft capital, but is there anyone that's better positioned other than Damian Pierce to take over the starting role than uh, Tyler Algier? And I know he's a flawed player, but I have been taking him in the late second round of some of my drafts. I've, I've gotten a few, ooh, reach too soon. But, you know, I mean, he's there's no running back. They released Mike Davis, so that's good. Uh, you know, Cordell Patterson is going to be relied upon a little bit more as a passer this year. Maybe he'll get, you know, he'll he'll maintain his role with 10 to 12 touches. But they actually have a real running back there in Tyler Algier who could, you know, Play the, you know, take the hits and Marcus yes. Mariota is going to run some, uh, some RPO that always opens it up for the running back, right? Just similar to how like Alfred Morris in RG3, uh, mm-hmm. a, a very poor man's version. So even though I know that this could be a zero, I'm happy at this point if I need running backs to take Tyler Algier. Yeah. I mean, the Algier's measurables aren't going to blow you away, but I mean, shoot, the, the production was pretty crazy at, at, at uh, BYU. I mean, he ran for, I think over 20 touchdowns. Uh, a season ago, I believe, and he can handle the the dirty work. And I don't think that you want to have a guy like Cordero Patterson, who's entering his age 31 season, just running into the teeth of the defense all the time. Algier can do that for you. So that that's valuable. That can have a role. He can, he can push the pile. So I, if they get into the red zone and, you know, they, they make us mad by not throwing it to Pitts or Drake London, Algier could be the guy. Yeah. And it's like I said, it's like, uh, it's, it's an unsexy pick. Uh, but you know, Algier, if you need running back help, it's, it, he could be this year's Khalil Herbert with a larger window than a three week sample. That's all I'm saying. You know, um, there's better players on the board, but I'm just trying to think how I would play it at this point. All right. So you are up at pick 22 as we're nearing the end here, John. Okay. So I got two more. Yep. You got 22. I got 23 and you have 24. All right. First one that I will do in that case, I'll go Wandale Robinson. That makes sense. Giants, you know, early second round pick, clearly an indictment on Kadarius Tony. Um, he does very similar things. Athletic guy, um, played a kind of versatile hybrid role during his time in college, both at Nebraska and, and Kentucky. Just was the Kentucky passing game last year. I like him. I, I thought that you know, while, while some people say that re, uh, Pierce was a reach by by Indy, I I would say that Wandale was a reach by the Giants, given what else they have there. But I, I still like Wandale, so I'll, I'll go with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, nobody likes where he was drafted, right? But meanwhile, he was drafted there. That, that seemed like a little bit of reach for the Giants. You know, he was he's like a 5'8". You know, on, on the uh, Kentucky website, he was listed as 5'11", but when he measured in, it was like 5'8 half. So it, it just seems like, yeah, you know. The, those college websites, man, they are, mm, yeah, oh, they So I'm 5'9", right? And in my high school uh, basketball roster, I was listed at, um, at, at 5'11 and a half, just so you know. So, I, you know, I understand, Wandale. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, playing on the margins, baby. Yeah. Um, so my last pick, twenty three, the second to last pick of uh, the uh, of the second round here. 
I've been drafting Jalen Tolbert in this spot. Uh, I, you know, is that, was that going to be your pick? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I well, thought he'd get back to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, you played the board wrong, but look, he's been going in this spot here. So if you do want him, he's not, he hasn't been making it to the third round in these drafts and some I've seen him go three, one, but for the most part, he's been going where I took Algier. Uh, so he's in that two nine two ten range, and the obvious is he's a good player, NFL ready player that people like, and he's going to have immediate opportunity in a good offense. Just insert that player here. Good, you know, we we like him. Opportunity with Michael Gallup likely out for the first at least month and a half. I mean, he hurt his he hurt his uh, leg in the playoffs, right? He hurt his knee in the playoffs. So, uh, yep. you know, I don't think we're going to see him before Thanksgiving. So I'll, I'll take Tolbert. He's going to have every opportunity to succeed. Who are you going to take with your last pick? Do you have anything to add on Tolbert? By the way, I've been a big Tolbert fan for for a while. Um, you know, South Alabama not the most fun team to watch usually, but but Tolbert made them fun to watch. Um, you know, I, th- I think he has a legit skill set. And and yeah, I mean, you you look at what Dallas has done this offseason, you know, you have Gallup injured, you, you lose a couple of, of key contributors elsewhere, uh, you know, Cedric Wilson or, or Amari Cooper, I'm not a James Washington guy whatsoever. Like it all of a sudden, you know, you could look there and, and um, Tolbert midseason is like second on second or third on the team in targets, you know, kind of out of nowhere. So I, I like that. I think there, there's a good amount of upside on that one. Very good. All right, man. You get the last pick, man. We're going to, we're going to bring this thing right in under an hour. I love this. This is great. Go ahead. All right. I will go. And just remember the golden rule. Don't screw it up. Okay. The golden rule. Don't screw it up. Khalil Shakir, Boise yeah. state. That's the, going that's to, I, I love getting people on the Buffalo offense and, and you know, that outside of Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis, like, you know, they, they have some other guys who are interesting or, or but I think Shakir, um, might be better that, than those other guys at, at this current stage, whether it's Crowder or is Isaiah McKenzie, who, who is fun, but Shakir, I, I think a little bit more of a complete player. Yeah, I like that pick. I mean, the fifth round draft capital is, you know, sometimes you say like, ooh, that's a little late for a wide receiver. But look, they the, the Buffalo Bills just did this with uh, with Gabriel Davis. They picked him in the fifth round, and now he's the starting wide receiver. Right, He was a fifth round pick. Gabriel Davis he, was a fourth. He, I forget exactly where he was. He wasn't went, a but... third round pick. He mm-hmm. was like a fourth or fifth round pick. I mean, I we can hear. You know what? Let's let's give the people the good information. He was fourth round, one one twenty eight overall. So so late uh, fourth. He was four four point twenty two. There we go. Yep. Uh, so okay. So fourth. So they just did this, and people like Shakir, like you said, he's going in this area. So if you want Shakir, you need to take him here. And then just uh, rapid fire, John. Give me three more names that would be next on your board. And I'll do the same, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, I would say Zamir White. Um, I, I, you know, the the lack of uh, fifth year option for Josh Jacobs makes yep. makes this. A, you know, there's some serious potential for him to to get in there uh, pretty soon. Maybe I would take a Trey McBride, and then, um, oh boy, that's tough after that. Maybe, mm, How about no, Brian but, Robinson, and or is this is this the, the I think, situation? I think Brian bad. Robinson stinks. Yep. I just, okay, so scratch him off. Yeah, so not doing that. Uh, I'll go Isaiah Spiller. Yeah, I think that the Zamir White and Spiller are the guys that, you know, this time next year, we could be saying, oh, wow, I wish I had those guys. Not that Austin Eckler is going away, but they've, you know, the Chargers have been dying for someone that could take 10 quality touches off of his plate. And I think Spiller is that guy. And Zamir White, for all the reasons you said. All right, you're going to go follow John McKechnie on Twitter. Uh, Give your Twitter one more time, John. I'm at John's tailgate, John's underscore tailgate. And tell them uh, what you're working on and where they can find you, where they can find your work. 
Uh, so you can find all my stuff over on rotowire.com in, in the C football section. We'll, we're going to, you know, kind of get that fired up here pretty soon. And now that spring practices are, are done. So look, look for our uh, draft kit to be dropping th- this summer. I'll be writing the rookies article for the rotowire uh, NFL magazine. I also write up the, the Ravens preview. So keep an eye out for that once our magazine hits the stands this summer. And then otherwise, uh, just kind of a little bit more behind the scenes on our sports betting stuff, but trying to make sure that engine keeps running. So we got daily baseball articles every single day of the, of the season, uh, NBA bet, uh, betting articles, NHL. Uh, so those two in the playoffs right now, a lot of fun stuff going on there. So tons of betting content that we're trying to grow out here. Fantastic. All right. And then everyone knows if you want to see our the Rotowire Superflex Dynasty rankings, you could do so right now for free and see all of our premium content. We don't even ask for your credit card. We just ask for your email. You go in there, you can see everything behind the paywall for 10 days. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. That's all you got to do is put your email in there. There's nothing to cancel. Right. You just go in there. You get everything behind the paywall for 10 days. After 10 days, it just stops. And just remember, if you do like this video, if you don't mind, you don't have to. But click the like button, click the subscribe button to the Rotowire channel. Most of you do already. We appreciate that. Uh, and then next week, we will be back uh, with another. When's your next podcast, by the way? Uh, about, oh. about an hour from now. OK, so come back. You'll see John live with Mario there. What are you guys going to be talking about on that one? So we focused on the rookies on, on Monday and, and, you know, kind of our, our overall draft reactions. Now we're going to kind of zoom out, talk about the veterans who were affected by, by um, you know, the, these new rookies coming in roles that we do think are improved as a result, winners from that way. And then guys who uh, might be in trouble as a result of these rookies coming in. Oh, excellent. All right. And next week I'll be back uh, with special guest Nate Liss of the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm really excited to have Nate on uh, and we're going to confirm up what day we're doing that. So come back with us next week. All right, everybody. This has been the Rotowire Dynasty Fantasy Football Podcast.